Welcome to the High Profit Event Show. My name is Rudy Rodriguez, founder of the Virtual Event Sales Team and Wingman Coaching Worldwide. We provide world-class sales support services with integrity. And on this podcast, we interview successful event leaders and service providers that have led or supported profitable events online and off. Each episode will run for about 20 to 30 minutes, so stay tuned. This is Blake Eastman, and on today's show, I will reveal how you can create a dynamic, unique, and profitable event experience. Hi, my name is Rudy. Welcome to the High Profit Event Show. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest uh, with me, one of my dear friends and fellow Mastermind members, uh, Blake Eastman. Blake, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. We are super excited to have you on today as our our guest, and uh, you have a really exciting topic to share with us on the lines of how to create a dynamic, unique, and profitable event experience. Uh, before we jump in, though, I want to kind of give our audience a little background on you and uh, uh, why it's important to listen when, when you uh, speak. Uh, so what's cool about Blake is that since the age of 23, and I know he only looks like he's 25, but since the age of 23, <laughs> uh, Blake has done over a, a thousand live events, over a thousand live events, um, ranging from, um, you know, three-hour, four-hour type uh, events to three-day-plus type seminars. He has uh, also had his own coaching education type packages ranging from five to $20,000 that he successfully enrolled people into. And he was also a professor, a professor of psychology for over seven years. And uh, it goes without saying, but he's also the founder of a very successful communication company called the Nonverbal Group. Uh, so Blake, with that being said, sir, I'd love to turn it over to you and have you jump right into some of the meat and potatoes of today's content. Yeah, I love it. Um... Yeah, just and just for context, it's like, yeah, just I've had a lot of diversity in the type of events that I delivered, and also just from an experience perspective, uh, just attended a wide range of events. And also something I, I don't really talk about publicly, but when I was like younger, I was on Broadway. So um, like the theater and performance background when I was a child, like had me see events as these really cool, unique, and special experiences. And then once I started going deeper with psychology, you sort of understand the underlying constructs of what makes these things so special. And, you know, I've seen certain events where topics pretty much the same, but one person creates cohesion. Everybody loves each other. They're talking about, and the other one doesn't. And it's like, all right, like what is going on here? And I've always been very interested on, on dissecting those norms and understanding them better. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I appreciate about you is your expertise uh, in communication and how you are able to dissect um, events from that perspective. I know you're going to share with that with us here. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Um, yeah. And, and I guess the probably the most unique or weirdest thing about of our events is that some of them were fully recorded, both me and the participants. So because I taught, you know, high level or uh, redefining sort of the concept of what body language actually is, we recorded people from multiple, le- uh, multiple angles and you could actually like solve for the real-time experience of an event. So like one of my first tips for people that are running events is they usually have footage and the footage is usually designed as a, a measure for like a scissor reel or for testimonials or so on and so forth. There's something so valuable by just sticking a camera in the front of that room and recording everybody if if it allows, if like the, the construct of it allows, and then reviewing it to see 
Like, where are we losing people? Where are people getting tired? Like, what are the issues? Like, I, I remember one of my events, like we were ordering foods that cause like glucose crashes. So I'm like losing people post-lunch because the kind of food that was available to them was just way more likely to knock them out of the game. So I was like, all right, like <laughs> we gotta, we gotta stop with this food and we gotta switch it up. So I think that it's a way of keeping track of events that nobody really is doing. And it's so valuable for you and your team to have that experience. So just like capture the audience and capture yourself so you can replay it after just like, you know, like Michael Jordan would watch his games post, um, post playing. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, and I didn't really highlight that so much in, in the introduction. I, I mentioned that you were an expert in psychology. Uh, you know, I quickly said nonverbal group and you expanded on that, like the, all the communication that happens outside of just our words, right. Through, through the body language and actually people's physiology. And I remember learning from one of my mentors that only a small percentage of what we're communicating is actually the words that are being used and so much more is how it's being said and how our body works. So I wanted to highlight that for the audience because you are an expert in going beyond what just what people are saying, but really getting their communication beyond that. Um, so that's yeah. really cool. No, it's well said. It's just like there are, so as humans, we're, we're sort of wired to connect with one another and there's all these barriers to connection. And one of the big barriers is behavior. So even in an event space, um, you know, you could start, you could be charismatic and fun and engaging. And now all of a sudden you have something about selling this program for the first time. You're like subtly, you're not sure if this is what you want to do or who knows, but it like, it often manifests or comes through in your behavior. And that's what the people pick up. And then people make meaning out of that. So I'm like, if you ever met somebody in your life that you're like, I don't know, I just, that person's weird. I don't like them. Or there's something's off. Like it's my job to reverse engineer and figure out like what specific behaviors are creating that impression. So that's kind of how I look at events and how I look at dynamics is from that same lens. Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, our show topic is around creating a, a unique uh, and dynamic as well as profitable experience. When you think about that ahead of time, obviously, an event, you mentioned to me earlier that an event needs to have a structure, a plan, getting someone from point A to point B. But how do you prepare for an event such that it's a dynamic and unique and profitable experience? Uh, so the first thing I do is I think about the user. So it's a, it's a user journey. It's from everything like, all right, when they leave their house, do they have an understanding of where they need to be, why they need to be on time or where they need to go? Like just viewing it completely from their perspective. And what I'm trying to essentially do is I'm trying to understand the landscape of other events and make sure that some of the things that we do or some of the actions that we take are not only aligned with like our brand and how we communicate, but are also special and memorable and stick out. Um, so the, you're not really in like the event business, you're in the experience business, um, or you're in, in certain regards, you're in like, uh, there should be, in, in my opinion, in a live event space, there should be a very deep level of both reflection and some sort of transformation or some sort of like point A to point B type thing. And I think of when you start to think about the individual user and your relationship with them and how those two things are going to come together to create something truly unique, that's important. And this is the trick. The trick is like, they should be talking about it. Like they should say, you have no idea what happened at this last event. I got recorded by like multiple angles and blah, 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 or whatever it is that's specific to you. Um, 
And I still feel like these are the kind of like intangibles. Like there's a lot of things that you can do to maximize profit at an event, right? Like there's a way to do that. There's like a lot of things that you can do to make sure that things happen on time and are well-structured, but there's magic in planning details that nobody's really thinking about. And I think those things lead to a way more profitable event because they're the intangibles that people don't really, they can't point to, but it's like, I don't know, there's, there's something special about that event. And th- but they can't point to what it actually was. But the reality was, it was all that work you did on crafting user experience and user journey and so on and so forth. And I have always thought like one of the biggest gateways to that is being dynamic. And what I say by that is that like, I'm going to talk classes where wow, somebody looks like they want to go home. Like they literally look like they want to go home. And I'm like, Hey, like, and I am, I'm a very big on checking in. So like, listen, you look a little bit. And then all of a sudden they tell me something like, listen, actually, uh, this, this is a real story. Um, uh, somebody attended my class first 10 minutes in the morning. I felt like something was up. I said, Hey, is everything okay? And, and you just seem like you don't seem in it. Like, and I know you, so it's a little bit weird. She's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm here. My brother, um, my brother passed away last night. Like, and she had, and I was like, I was like, Oh my God, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I was like, get out of here. We'll get you in the next event. Like you have nothing to worry about. She just came because she didn't want to lose her seat kind of thing. Right. And it's like, listen, I'm reasonable enough to let you out of that from that regard. Like, of course, like go take care of your family, blah, blah, blah. blah. And she ended up coming like a year or two years later or whatever. And it's just like, if I didn't have, if you're not willing to be dynamic and call that out in that moment, you can have somebody in your, in your event, like who's potentially going through something or potentially suffering and not getting your value, not hearing you and not having an amazing experience. So like, I really believe that that balance of being unique and profitable is because you're willing to engage in that kind of conversation and sort of pull out like what's, what's going on for the people. Yeah. The power of checking in that's, that's, that's really, really valuable is that nugget seeing where people are at. Um, And also it's like uh, another thing about that checking in. So like I've been at events where they do the check-in. It's like, okay, so like, how's everybody doing? Like, great. Yay. Like, like, I don't think that's a check-in. Like a check-in is usually not, you're not even needing, you're like, you're seeing a source of a potential problem. And then you're literally like, like I have this whole thing where if you ask somebody like, how are you? I'm fine. They're like, are you sure? Cause you don't like look fine. And they're like, oh, actually. And then they break it down. Like sometimes you need to have the courage to push a little bit more for them to really open up about like what's going on for them. And then listen, if you could, if you could help work on that and free them from whatever they're going through, they're just, they're not able to listen to you until that happens sometimes. So it's, it's, it's so important. And I feel like it's missed in a lot of interactions. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of uh, led into the next question that I wanted to ask is, uh, you know, while you're at an event and now you're here, you're facilitating, you have these attendees, these students who pay their, they're here, they're in the room now, like, where do you maintain your focus? What are you focusing on during the event to make sure that it's dynamic, that it's unique uh, and ultimately profitable? And you, you, you touched on this idea of the check-in and, and doing it properly. Anything else as far as oh, your, yeah. where you're focusing? So I think, I, I think what makes me unique is I'm a hawk. Like I'm watching every single person, every second, like events for me are, I'm, I'm an extrovert, classic extrovert. They give me so much energy. They give me so much fuel, but I could, at the end of the day, write a report about what they liked and didn't like for every single person in the event. 
Like I know when they're frustrated or when they're angry, I, I, I'm, I'm maintain that it's incredibly important to understand that people aren't willing to sometimes give you feedback, but you could see it on their face. So like, this is like, so one of my things I, I like cringe and I hate doing, uh, exercises, right? So when I'm saying, all right, everybody, like, I want you to write down because it bothers me so much that some people are finished early and are waiting for the other people. Like, it makes me like, oh, I don't, I don't want it. Cause I can see it happening. So like, I think that's my, um, my biggest focus. I am, I am more dialed in on them than to a large extent to what I'm saying to the structure of my event. I, I, this is about them, no one else. It's not about me. It's not about my team. It's not about like, it's just about them. And you can't understand what they're getting or what they're going through if you're not paying attention. Um, so yeah, I would say that that's like the, that's how I lead or that's how I uh, approach it. Got it. Great. Yeah. So you're really just dialed into your attendees and what they're going through, even as, as far as seeing who's completing their assignment who hasn't yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, and then the trick here is also not making like the wrong meaning out of that. Right. So it's to be able to like, okay, this person maybe feels like they're not getting enough attention. Like I've, I've worked with this side of the room. I haven't worked with this side of the room, but I don't really know that like for sure, but I can still go above and beyond to potentially like deal with that or work with that. Like I, and I, and I listen, the company is called the nonverbal group. So it's kind of, you know, I should be able to provide that level of attention or detail. Most definitely. Any other points of focus that you keep your attention on during the event? So, so one, one big thing is like, so there's that. And then the other thing is like, what am I trying to deliver on? And, um, uh, actually, uh, uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours, one of my coaches, Will Steele, had me see this where it's like, you know, sometimes people try to do too much. Like we're trying to do this event, this event, this event. It's like, what's like the one thing you're leaving these people with? Like, what's the one thing that they're getting? It's great if they get two, three or four or five, but like, what's the one thing? And I'm really big on, I could sometimes personally go off in tangents. So I'm, I'm trying to see if I delivered on what I promised I would deliver on. And Sometimes, I mean, based on some of the old nonverbal courses, it was always kind of tricky because the delivery came like the last three hours of the second day of the course. So it was like, uh, are we going to get them there? Are we not going to get them there? But then it, it would, it would come together, but yeah, like, am I delivering what I said I would, I think it's really important to get a really clear understanding because, you know, you go to events and they, you, you read the copy and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be so incredible. And then like, well, they didn't do one, two, three, four, seven, nine, three, but they did kind of 10. Like, I don't want any of my people doing that. I want to be like, yep, nope, I'm a different player and I'm authentic and straight with how I'm going to get them there. So I'm like, listen, in some courses, like this is not, especially with poker, it's like, this is not going to be PowerPoints. This is not going to be information. Why? Because I have all that information pre-recorded in courses. This is about you. It's about watching you play and understanding what's in your way. And it's going to look different for all of you. It's just it's being upfront about what that path looks like. Awesome, man. Very cool. And there comes that point in an event where you've added value for, you know, three, four hours or two or three days at this point, And you have an offer being people already asking you, Hey, how can I work closer with you? How can I do more with you? Um, like how do you authentically uniquely, you know, ask for so, and I know you mentioned to me that you've had your own journey 
<laughs> of development. Maybe you can share a little bit about that journey yeah. when you went from doing it with emails to where you're at today. Yeah. So like, I was terrible at that. It's terrible. Like I was, I, I really believe I, I, I delivered a really high value class. Everybody liked it. Everybody seemed interested. And I'd be like, okay, bye now. <laughs> Cause I had stuff about selling. Um, and what, what is interesting is that I think if, if you own, I think selling from the stage or getting someone to buy your offer it's way more complex than like, if you believe in what you're selling, it should be easy. Like there are certain things about me that like, I don't like to come across a certain way. I don't kind of like this. So um, over the years, it's created, you know, a lot of friction in those points where literally I would end the course and be like, okay, thank you so much for coming. Um, the information about our next class is on like the, the endings were my least powerful thing, like for sure. Um, and then you learn and you get better and so on and so forth. So now, interestingly enough, um, a lot of our live classes are in a lot of ways at the end of our funnel, which is at least for the poker company. Like, so people pay like between three to six K, but they've already spent prior money on like online courses. So like, it's sort of like the cream de crop or the, the top of it, the creme de la crop of, of, of the packages. But I still, when I'm selling stuff after, like I have like a, like almost like a little checklist of myself, like, okay, boom, boom, boom. And what I do is I'm very clear about like, usually, I mean, this is my approach. I don't always believe the next program is the next step for my, my people. And I'm very clear about that. And like at the end of the class, people will be like, well, I really want to take the Beyond Tales class. And I'm like, well, you're like six months away from that because I don't think that I'm going to be able to deliver that value where you're at right now. You need to do this, 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 this before we have you in that class. And I think that's where I'm very different. And so I'm authentic about that. But then when I believe it's going to make a difference, I go pretty hard. Like, uh, like if I know that this person's good for this class, like I will send four emails, but I don't send four emails to everybody. And what that has done in my business is you know, very high customer lifetime value, extremely high uh, in a vertical where the average is like a thousand, you know, we're pulling in, you know, five figure numbers for that. And it's because the people trust me. Like they know that I'm going to not put them in a spot. And there's, there's literally stories of people saying like, you told me not to take this class four years ago until I was ready and I'm ready. And I know it's more money than it was, but, but thank you for waiting. So I really believe that putting the person's interest first. And if you could lead with that, people trust you, but you still need that urgency. Like, and sometimes some like, you know, this is, everybody's gonna have a different approach. Like my style in poker, it's a little bit different than for nonverbal group, but like some of my poker company, I'm like, what are you doing? Like you take the damn class, man, like sign up. Like that's kind of the language. It's not like, let's have a conversation or something. And then they laugh. They're like, all right, I'll do it. Like, cause that's the style that I have with them. And that's why it's, it's unique. It's not so process oriented. Um, I'm a big fan of highly controlled, semi-dynamic processes when you're selling something in a launch style online or so on and so forth. But if I have the person in front of me, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to communicate to them the value of the course and get them to close. And that's why my like closing rate is so high because it's so dynamic and based on the person. But it's a little bit like a district attorney that doesn't want to take cases where they know that they're going to lose. And um, yeah, it's like, you got to think about that stuff. Also, I think about group cohesion. Like it sucks when you get 
I mean, I've taught classes that are like advanced and like three of the people shouldn't have been in that class. They just shouldn't, they're not there yet. And I'm like, oh, they're asking questions that's affecting the experience of the other people. So I do my diligence on making sure that they're in the right seat for the right time. And unfortunately, like where our product market is right now or how our products look, it's not, anybody can take it, right? It's like a specific kind of thing that works for the right person. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and that actually brings up a point in, in some of the processes that we run for some of our clients, we do an interview type of sales enrollment process because we want to um, want to understand their unique situation and their unique needs, but also manage those expectations to make sure that there aren't those people in, in the program that shouldn't be there that are detracting from the other people's attendance. And I think that is super critical um, point that you're making there and how we need to screen for that up front. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you just said, I, I think 95% of my programs over the past five years were application only. In fact, I don't think you can buy anything. You could buy one product without applying. Everything else is applying. Because also I don't personally, I don't take much gratification. Like I pride myself on, I can get people from point A to point B. And some people just, they're not there yet they're, they're, for whatever reason, like this is not going to work. Or like in poker, we got people that were like really desperate and like really needed money fast. And it's like, this is not, this is not going to work, man. And I've had those kind of conversations. And like in some of my sales calls, I've told more people to quit poker than like to double down on it. And that's just like part of my brand. And um, there's countless stories of me doing something like that. And then like six years later, that person buying like everything because they have a job and they're in a good place and they're good things. So I just, I just think that there's a certain point where it's like, do the right thing by your client. Like if you really want to create a highly profitable business, do the right thing about your client. If you focus by that, you'll have raging fans and you'll, you know, and I, I, I think that's said a lot, but not executed a lot. Um, yeah. And, and, and I'd like to be part of events or see events that do more of that basically. Awesome, man. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your expertise on those, on those points. Um, we have a few minutes left and, and this is the part of the podcast where we'll do kind of some rapid fire uh, questions, just quick question and answers. And one of the ones I'm curious about you being an expert in nonverbal communication. I'm curious if there's maybe uh, a few um, key kind of uh, simple strategies or techniques or things that you focus on when it comes to noticing nonverbal communication when you're leading events. Is there anything you can you can kind of share with us in the audience? Yeah, I mean, like one of the easiest metrics to track is just attention. So, like if you were to pick one metric to probably would be gaze direction more than anything else. It's like, we look towards things that we're interested. We look away for things that are not. So where I'm looking at is like, at what point of the presentation do I have maximum attention? Where am I losing people? Where are people tired? Um, uh, th this led to one of my, one of my events used to, they, we used to do 14 hours and it just, people were just too tired. I was like, it's, they're not hearing me because they're tired. So Again, like if you want to see the quality of a presentation, record the room, see how many people are looking. And sometimes gaze directional shift when people are like taking notes or so on and so forth. But the eyes will tell you more than anything else when it comes to attention. Um, uh, people don't feel like they're being watched when they're in the audience. So they let their guard down. That's why they check their phone or talk to their friend or look around in different directions and so on and so forth. You can actually get quite crafty of like orchestrating experiences so that so people can't do that. But like... I think 
pay attention to the eyes more than anything. Are they looking at you? Uh, are they interested? So on and so forth. It's like the first step. Awesome. That's a big one. I know with uh, virtual events, which we've done quite a few of is uh, whether or not people's cameras are on. I mean, something that simple. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I think that's, that's a big one. Um, anything else you can share there as far as nonverbal communication cues um, that could be valuable? Um, yeah. Uh, also on the other, on the other side, uh, your audience is a gold mine of like product market fit and like what works and what doesn't work and what's special and what's magical when they look really engaged. So when they're like shaking their head and like, so I, a big thing for me is like, I almost like when people take notes as a metric to see what's working or what's not working. So like when you say something, they write it down. It's like one of, I, I used to joke that like one of the cool tests for a good presentation is you give a, you give a talk for let's say 40 minutes. And at the end of the talk, you say like, Hey, there's one book that you have to read. And it's like, how much of the audience writes it down, right? Like how much do they trust you as an authority or as somebody that could sort of execute that information? And I just, I think a lot of the gems and a lot of the profits are on the faces and movement of the people. And also like, you don't need to be like a nonverbal expert. Like I guarantee you, if you sat down, whoever's listening to this, if you sat down with your team and you went away on an offsite and for eight hours, you just watched the audience responses to stuff. It would tell you everything you need to know about your experience. Like you could pick up on these subtleties. It, it's quite obvious because they're not regulating their behavior. They're just attending the event. That's great feedback. Um, yeah, that actually inspired me to want to go back and watch some game tape myself. Yeah, yeah. We did. <laughs> that we have coming up in a couple months. So, uh, yeah, that, that's great feedback. So speaking of your, um, you mentioned like, hey, making a call to action to take a note or to suggest a book and seeing who actually writes it down or takes action. I'm curious, what is a book or resource that you recommend to assist uh, oh, man. in hosting Um unique dynamic profitable events so question um i'm i'm probably gonna go with so the, the when i read books about like i like to find insights outside of the culture like i i don't know so the book that the book that came to mind, people are going to look at me and think I'm crazy when they listen to this, but like there is some evidence and truth in this. There's a book called Behave by um, Robert. I always say his name, Robert Sapolsky. Um, and he's a, he's a professor at Stanford. And the book has nothing to do with leading events. It has to do with the basis of behavior from a neurological level. And the reason why I think it's so important is I think it's really valuable to understand like how many potential things could affect change, behavior, performance, and all this from this very macro perspective. It, 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 once you learn those things, it just is like, wow, humans are so complex and you can approach people from, from a, a different perspective. And then there's all the classics, like, you know, um, like that persuade book and like the, uh, Robert, uh, uh, like that, uh, what's his last name? How do you say it? Caldini. Caldini. Like, you know, just like those famous kind of books, but I really, listen, I don't want you guys, I, everybody listen to this. I don't want you reading. Like if there's one thing I could take away from, like, look at the footage of the people watching your events. Like that's what I want you to do. Instead of reading a book, 
Like look at the experience you're creating right now. And as a team sort of see what I, I really believe so much value is there. Yeah, that's, that's a great uh, recommendation. Now, I'll take you up on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll break some down with you. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thanks, man. Yeah, that'd be fun. And uh, what's like the next summit you want to climb personally in your business? And, and what challenge or obstacle do you need to overcome to reach it? So, yeah, my, uh, that's a great question. So right now, like I, I've, I've just entered, so Nonverbal Group has been around for eight years, but I, I spent a lot of time on a project called Beyond Tells, and I, I focus specifically on teaching poker players how to read poker players. And um, for me personally, there's definitely always been this underlying element of, of, I don't want to call it perfection, but like, I, this isn't ready. So I, you know, there's that Reed Hoffman quote that if you're, if you're happy about your product, when you ship it, you waited too long. Like I'm usually really happy, but it took me four years, you know, and it's been hard. It's been hard breaking past that. Um, but I'm building a lot of programs, a lot of courses and the live workshops doing kind of what I'm discussing, um, for nonverbal groups. So there's this whole new, I'm stepping into this whole new world and, um, excited to really share this skill set of behavioral awareness and, of framing to just help people become more effective communicators. I really feel like people struggle and suffer without certain skill sets that are required to communicate with one another. Um, and I just want to be a vehicle for really just helping people with that, but got to always get out of your own way as an entrepreneur. It's like the most frustrating, annoying thing, which is like my biggest advice for that is just have a lot of coaches around you to keep you aligned. It's like the most important thing. I agree with that statement. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you and I probably each have a coach for every area of our life. Yeah. It's, just, it's like, you can't trust yourself sometimes. Like you need that outside accountability. You need that uh, uh, raw feedback and raw advice that just doesn't come from oneself. It's just critical. Most definitely. And Blake, in our, in our final minute here. So I'm curious to ask you, what legacy do you want to leave? Oh, this is a big one. So I've thought about this a lot um, as of, as of recently, just my dad was diagnosed with ALS seven, seven months ago, which is a really rough neurological disorder. And I thought like thinking about this legacy and, and this is what I do. I imagine my funeral um, and I imagine hopefully hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people from random walks of life, from random things that said like, Oh no, Blake helped me with this. And that's from the person that I gave, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I gave money to some person randomly on the street, like that person, like this. I just believe that like a legacy of, of change and influence and, and really, really helping people, um, it means more than anything else. And that legacy has been the greatest like pull towards pushing past the stuff that I deal with. Like, all right, like if I have a tools to help someone, like I really believe that like that whole thing where record yourself on video, like you know how many marriages could be saved if they record themselves on video or people that like are struggling in a dating environment or struggling at work, you know how many really smart people are not perceived as smart because their inability to communicate and they suffer because of that. Like there's just so much of these themes. We're so wired for connection, but in our modern society, there's so many barriers to connection. And if I can just help the world connect a lot more, it'd be a, a great life. I love that, man. Thank you. And thanks for giving that example of the, the funeral and how you want to be remembered. I can yeah. relate to that. Uh, I heard that. I learned that from a mentor is like, imagine your eulogy and what you want said about you, how you want to mm. be remembered. And then 
And then once you have that vision and that mission, you know, work your way backwards. How do you live today to fulfill on that? One of my coaches, uh, another one of my coaches, John Michael Morgan, he writes his own eulogy. I think every month that's like part of his process. He writes like what, what they would say about him as a way to all make sure he's aligned and so on and so forth. It's a great idea. Super cool, man. Start with the end in mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Start with the end in mind. I love it. Yeah. Cool, Blake. Well, appreciate you being on with us as a special guest today. It was great to hear from your expertise as a nonverbal communication expert and, and your, geez, over a thousand event experience um, and your own journey of development going from being afraid to ask for a sale to now running events where you sell five to 20K packages quite consistently. And I love the way yeah, you do it uniquely. You do it uh, dynamically and you make money doing it, so, which is you know what everybody wants. So thank you again for being an amazing guest and appreciate you uh, being on today. Thank and you so much, man. For sure. And for our listeners, if you got value today, I want to encourage you to reach out to uh, Blake directly. Blake, what's a good way the listeners can can uh, connect with you? Just email me, Blake at nonverbalgroup.com. That's the best way. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, there you have it. Reach out to Blake at nonverbalgroup.com if you want to learn more about him and his services. Uh, appreciate you, Blake, and uh, have an amazing day. And that's a wrap. <laughs>